0: You're listening to Southside Baptist Church Podcast with our pastor, Dr. Jeff Parker. For more audio content, please refer to our website at ssbaptistchurch.com. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to take them, turn to the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to pick up at verse 38. Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, beginning at verse 38. I've titled the message today, Martha's Mania, okay, Martha's Mania, and really kind of subtitled it, The Lost Art of Hospitality, The Lost Art of Hospitality, because I believe in a day, especially as we celebrate our senior adults, that they had something in their generation that many of us have lost. And that is that they had, they understood this thing of hospitality. In fact, we were talking about Wednesday night. Senior adults, when they were growing up, you never knew who was going to go home with you after church. Okay? You just didn't know. My grandmother, when we were, when we would visit her, would always have an extra place setting. And I would ask her, I'd say, why, who's going, who's coming? She'd say, I don't know. She said, but we're going to be ready if they do. Wow, think about that. And that's the way she lived her life. She died at the age of 89, died in uh, 1991 and uh, but uh, was born in 1902. She she raised her family during the depression. Difficult hard times. But often only with biscuits and the very basic meal, she always had a place setting. For a stranger, somebody who might come by. And that's the way she lived her life. I sat outside until Irene Hughes started making tea. I, there was nobody that quite make tea like my grandmother. And uh, there's just certain smells to this day, such as tea boiling, or uh, some things cooking that make me think about her. Well, what is this thing called hospitality? In Luke, and we've been in the Gospel of Luke, Luke is writing to his friend Theophilus. He's the physician, He's giving a chronological order, the life of Christ. And as we have moved through the book, now we're coming to a time where Luke tells us that Jesus is turning His attention toward Jerusalem. He's heading toward Jerusalem. He's heading toward the cross. As He makes His way toward Jerusalem, He comes to a small community called Bethany. Now, Bethany is about two miles, just two miles walking distance outside of the city of Jerusalem. And if I, and if I remember, it is on the side of the Mount of Olives. So as Jesus is coming to Jerusalem, he comes to this town called Bethany, and it is there that he has dear friends. In fact, in John chapter 11, verse 5, It was said by John the Beloved that Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. He loved them. In fact, when he raises Lazarus from the grave, and that occasion in John chapter 11, he wept, he cried over the death of Lazarus. He loved this family. He was excited, no doubt, because Martha opens up her home and says, Look, Jesus, we want you to come. There's something about when people say, hey, what are you doing for lunch? Why don't you come home with us? Don't happen much, does it? But boy, it's good when it does. Mostly if they're good cooks. Steve, Steve was talking about his grandmother. Man, you ought to see this. He looked like a little boy. He got all excited. He said, man, my grandmother, she'll kill me. He said, she's the worst diet. She's a dieter's nightmare. But he went on he said, man, my grandmother, buddy, she knows how to cook. And he got, he got a little bit of the Holy Ghost. I mean, he just got excited. We about had revival. She was talking about his grandmother's cooking. Well, this is Luke. And, and so Luke is telling us, and I want you to pick up in Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 38. It said, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do the work by myself? Let her help me. You tell her to help me. Uh, uh, verse 41, can you see Jesus here? Let, let me. Let everybody look this way. I think he kind of looked at it with, Martha, Martha. You ever look at somebody, you go, you ever look at your kids sometime, you know, and you look at them and you just, you call their name and you call it a couple times and you just go, what am I going to do with you? This is the Spirit. I want you to look at verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. That is a powerful statement. I want you to notice there's three things I want you to see. First of all, Martha opened her home. Look at, look at what he says there in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples are on their way. Now Luke is telling Theophilus, he says, listen, Jesus and the disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. They're on their way to the cross. This is a heavy, difficult time in the life of Christ. And here Martha comes out there and says, Listen, Jesus, we want you to come. And, she, and the Bible says in verse 38 that she opened her home to him. In Romans chapter 12, verse 13. In fact, take a right and go over there because this is critical. And I want you to dog, age, dog ear the page of this Bible, of your Bible down. I want you to dog ear this page. Romans chapter 12, verse 13. In verse 13, Paul said this Romans chapter 12, verse 13. These are people that are being persecuted. He said, Share with God's people who are in need. Now look at the next two words Romans chapter 12, verse 13, over in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 12, verse 13. Dog ear that page, turn that page down, go back to it. In chapter 12, verse 13, share with God's people who are in need, and then look at those next two things. In the NIV, we don't have it up there today, but it says practice hospitality. It is in the imperative. What it means is this is a command. Now, we've lost this quality in our day. If we were honest, we would have to say, but the senior adults, they remember this well because this is the way they live their life. But so often in our world today, in our culture, we have kind of retreated into isolation. It is, even as a family, it's us four and no more. So there's a danger here. We have failed to understand the need and the value of what Paul commanded us. He said, listen, you practice hospitality. And the Bible says that Martha opened up her home. Now, we fail to see the value of it in our day. But I want to remind you of some things. I want to give you four things real quickly. When you practice hospitality, first of all, if you are a family, you don't realize the impact of godly people coming into your home. If you invite a senior adult, if you invite somebody into this congregation, you say, listen, why don't you go home with us? Or why don't you go out to eat with us? In essence, you don't know the impact and the value of their life as it permeates your life and your family. Man, I can't tell you the many times in our family that we have had preachers, missionaries, people of all walks of life. Bob Smith is one of the great joys of having in your home. He may knock over, blind Bob may knock over a glass of tea because he's blind, but you're going to have a lot of fun with it. But we lose that when we don't practice hospitality. Number two, we we fail to have the fellowship, the deepening of relationships when you and I come together and we eat a meal together. You know what heaven is about? Heaven is about eating. Steve, you think your grandma's a good cook. You ain't seen nothing yet. You see, it is about deepening relationships, deepening fellowship, and it's coming together. So when you and I obey, when we practice hospitality, when we open up our home like Martha did to Jesus, we have the opportunity to allow people to come into our lives and deepening our fellowship and relationship. The problem is in this congregation, you don't know each other. You don't even know each other's names. And I can tell you why. Because most of us do not pray. I want to invite you to Dwayne and, and Ramona's this afternoon. Because you'll have a good cup of coffee. Jeff, I'd like to invite you and, and Leanne over to Ramona and Dwayne's and because these are two coffee connoisseurs. They will have a ball with each other. Man, listen, they're going to have a good time. Is that alright? Did I step out of line here? No, I'm really teasing. We need to pray. Ramona's mother's... Has cancer and, and she's struggling right now. We really need to pray for Ramona and Dwayne. But this is a precious family. But you see, I'd love for these two families to get to know each other. I can tell you one thing that's one of the sweetest spirited men I know on this earth, Dwayne Mahorter. And I can tell you one thing it would do Cade a lot of good to be around Dwayne. You see, it deepens fellowship. Sheila told me yesterday, we were talking, and I said, i, I got to ask you something. I said, is David and Debbie lot going to be there tomorrow? She said, I think so. I said, man, that's good. Boy, I get excited when David and Debbie are here. You see, there's deepening of relationships. And thirdly, there's ministry. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says when you and I practice hospitality, when we do that, we are entertaining angels unaware. Jesus said, when you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. You know what Jesus said? He said, you haven't even given a cup of cold water that I won't reward it in heaven one day. Wow. So the scripture says that Martha, she opened up her home. Think of the blessings that Martha would experience. You know what Jesus said to his disciples? Listen to this. Jesus said, disciples, when you go out, he sent them out, He said, now when you go into home, this is the first thing He said. You know what you do? When you walk into that home, He said, pronounce a blessing. Can you imagine when Jesus walked into the home of Martha? Let me tell you the first thing He did. He would do only what He told His disciples to do. The first thing Jesus did, He walked into the home of Martha and Mary and Lazarus, and the first thing He did was pronounce a blessing on that home. Wow. And so she opened up her home. You know, I wrote down here just something I thought about. People who are reluctant to open up their home are also reluctant to open up their heart. If you're reluctant to open up your home, then chances are you're reluctant to open up your heart and your life. And so she opens up her home. Now, how do you practice hospitality? Real quickly, this is the reason. You know, hey, I'm not stupid. I've been, I'm 55 years old, been in the ministry over 30 years. You know why I'm never in your homes? I know why I'm not in your homes. Because your, your home is a mess. You don't have to tell me. I go up to home sometimes, knock on the door. Shh. Okay, he's gone. You know, what I, you know what I've learned to do? A lot of times what I do is I run back to the door again try to catch you. The reason most people don't practice hospitality anymore is because their homes are so out of order, such in disorder. See, when you and I get serious about this, first thing we have to do, we have to get our homes in order. We have to get ready. And see, that's something that is good. Do you know what God said about His home? You know what Paul said in the, to the church at Corinth? He said the church should be decent and in order. God even requires that. So your home has to be in some sense of order. Number two, you've got to, you've got to, it takes some work. It's like dating. It takes some work, but man, it's a great thing. Number three, it gives you role models for your kids, which we talked about a moment ago. Number four, it gives you fun in fellowship. It's fun to, to practice hospitality, you'll enjoy it. Jack Stack, who was a, a Gideon speaker and a millionaire who lived in Meridian. Years ago, this church, some of you may remember this. Years ago, on a Gideon Sunday, we were to get a Gideon speaker. I didn't know any. I pastored in Meridian. I'd had an opportunity to meet or to talk to Jack Stack one time. Now, this man is, this man is so powerful that I believe that when he died, Charles Stanley preached his funeral. Now, Jack Stack, I called the Gideons and I said, listen, can we get Jack Stack? The guy I laughed. He said, <laughs> he said, I can tell you this much. He said, Jack Stack is booked for three years in advance. He said, you'll never get Jack. And I said, well, would you mind if, I gave, if we give it a try? And he said, well, here's his number. I called him Jack Stack answered. And he said, well, he said, yeah, I remember you, pastor, Out a fellowship. He said, you know, strangest thing. He said, I had a cancellation this Sunday. He said, "I'll be glad to come." Now, some of you in this room, you had an opportunity to hear Jack Stack. You may not remember. He was as big, wide as he was tall. Looked like a bowling ball. Drove an old station wagon. Multi-millionaire. Afterwards, I I walked out and I said, "Jack, what are you going to do?" He said, "Well, I'm going to head back home." I said, "Listen, before you head back, why don't you you're going to be on your way? Why don't you stop?" And I kind of had to plead with him a little, plead with him a little bit. I said, "Jack, why don't you come by and just spend some time with it?" So here we had this old multimillionaire pulling up in our driveway. We just put out what we had. We sat around there till about three or four o'clock in the afternoon. We laughed, we cut up, we joked around. It was like having Clyde Harris come visit at your house. They kind of looked like and, 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 and we just had the best time. We received a card later. I don't know if it, was, if it was from Jack, or if it was from his wife after he died. We received a letter from this millionaire. Listen to what he said. He said... That was the most enjoyable day that I've ever had in my life. Wow. You see, Martha opened up her home. Secondly, I want you to look at this she overlooks her guest. In verse 39 and verse 40, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what He said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She opens up her home, but secondly, she makes a mistake. She overlooks her guest. You can imagine Mary here. You can just see Mary. She, she reminds me. To me, I think of my kids. A lot of times when they would sit down in the living room, we'd be sitting around at night, and the, especially the girls, they'd have their little gowns on, their little t-shirts, long t-shirts, and they'd come in and sit down. The first thing they do is pull their and then they wrap their gown down like this. all. As I see Tanya back there smiling because anybody with girls knows how girls do. They just wrap up. They'll you know they pull their head down and they'll even pull their arms down in there. You know, it's like it's a tent. And this is my picture of Mary. She just wrapped up in her gown there, in her, in her dress, she just wrapped herself around her, pulled her knees up tight, sat at the feet of Jesus and began to hang on every single word coming out of His mouth. As the Africans say, this is Mwadi Akafeka Munyama. This is God in the flesh. And I'm not going to let it slip by. spiritual lessons here. Mysteries of the universe. Mary understood it wasn't about food quality. It wasn't about table setting. It wasn't about getting everything. She wouldn't get caught up in the details because Jesus was here. You see, sometimes parents, if we're not careful, let me ask you something, parents. Why did you have your children? We've got several that are pregnant. Why are you having children? Well, I'm having them so I can chase them around on the soccer field. I'm having them so I can get them to this event and that event. I'm having them so I can change their diapers and Burton and do and those things. I, I'm having them for this. No, you, ha- you, you have children to fellowship with them. Right? Now, I don't know about you. That's why we had ours. And we had a lot of fun doing it. There's one thing you'll never, you'll never hear Sheila and I say. You will never hear us respond positively when you say, boy, grandchildren are great. If I'd have known they were that good, I'd have had them first. Not me. I want you to know something. Sheila and I, we loved, we enjoyed, we fellowshiped, we had fun with our children, and now we're having more fun with our grandkids. And it's a great thing to be a parent. But the reason you have children is to fellowship with them and sometimes we need to be reminded of that. That's the reason God created man. That's the reason God has children. He has children to fellowship with His children. But the tragedy so often is is we're too busy to curl up with our Bible. We're too busy to curl up at His feet in prayer. We're too busy to curl up with a group of other believers and talk about the kingdom and the things of God because we can't practice Hospitality. Let me ask you a question. Number one, when was the last time you invited anyone into your home as a guest? Any believer, any guest, any unbeliever, any non-Christian, any senior adult, or any young family, or any child, or any youth, anybody into your home? Some of you say, well, you know, you don't understand. I'm a college student, or I live in an apartment. Tamara Glenn one time invited Sheila and I to eat in her home. She was living in an apartment as a student. She apologized repeatedly. We will never forget her hospitality and how much fun we had that day with with Tamara Glenn. You can invite us to your dorm room and we'll come. We'll laugh while you struggle with something on on a hot plate and we won't tell MC or... Jackson State, or wherever you are, that you use odd plate. When was the last time you had somebody into your home? Secondly, number two, when was the last time you invited someone to be a part of your family? There's some senior adults, there are young people, there are people in this room, they don't have family. And you have the opportunity opportunity to open up your family and wrap your arms around somebody and bring them into your family and make them feel a part of your family. Boy, what a great thing that is. Let me ask you, number three, when will you start? When are you going to start practicing hospitality? Well, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it one day. If we get moved, if we get in this house, or if we could just get a step up, we're looking at another house, and if we ever get there, we'll have more room. Um, Or, you know, if I can get where I got this better job, then we'll be able to take care of some of these things, fix up some stuff and get that taken care of, because we need to get this done that done in order to... No, you don't. The Bible says practice hospitality, and the Bible says it's in the imperative, it's a command, it means to do it right now. She opens up her home. But the tragedy is, she overlooks her guess in verse 40. It said, "But Martha was distracted by all the preparations. Here Mary is wrapped up in her, in, her, in, her, in, her, in her robe, in her dress, and she's just hanging on the words of Jesus, But in verse 40, Martha's distracted by all the preparations that have to be made. And the word they're distracted in the Greek is the idea of being filled with anxiety. The word anxiety, peraspao, is this idea of being pulled in many different directions. She is anxious, she's overoccupied, and she's lost her focus. She forgot what she, she had opened up her home. She invited Jesus to come in, and now she was overlooking the guest. She had lost her focus. She had lost fellowship. She's not fellowshipping with the Lord. She's too busy being caught up with distractions. She's not only lost focus, she's lost fellowship. She's lost the future. Listen, think about this. One day, they are going to take Jesus' body, they're going to anoint it, They're going to bury it. They're going to put it away. Now, yes, they're going to experience Him again when when He's resurrected. And yes, they're going to see Him for the next 40 days. But then He's going to ascend to the Father. Let me ask you something. What are they going to do after that? Hear me. She lost the future. Do you know what Mary would do sometimes? Mary Mary was probably in there in the kitchen. She'd be cooking, she'd start laughing saying, You know, Martha, you remember when Jesus right before he came, he told that funny story about Elijah. He told how he and he he told how from heaven The perspective of Elijah on Mount Carmel. Do you remember when he was on Do you remember, Martha, do you remember when I asked him how many stars there were? And he started laughing. He got so tickled. He was laughing so hard. Tears were trickling down his face. And he laughed and he said, Mary, you are so funny. (laughs) Do you think you have the mind or the capacity to understand how many stars are in heaven? I can tell you what happened. And Martha, this is what Martha did. Martha got tears in her eyes. She said, no. I don't remember because I was so called up in that silly meal that I forgot who was in the house. Let me tell you, young people, listen to what I'm telling you. I've, I, over 30 years of ministry, it's over and over again, this scene... Here's the scene. Always. Okay, been there more probably than anybody in this room. I've watched children bury a parent. Okay, this is how it goes. They go to bury their parent, and they go into that they go into that funeral parlor and they're the first ones there. They have at least thirty minutes, sometimes longer, where they're there alone by themselves with their parent. Okay, and their parents deceased. It's time for them to spend alone with their parent before the crowd starts coming in and paying their respects they'll gather i've been there i I, i'm I'm in there so many times because they invite me in to have prayer and to be with them so i'm gathered with them around that and as we're waiting it it takes a little while and then finally what will happen it always happens siblings start telling stories (laughs) you remember when mama fixed it you remember that time mama tried to cook that and uh, you remember we were in the kitchen you remember that time, Dad? You remember that time, Dad took his fishing? You remember that time, and they start talking they start telling all these stories. Do you know what happens over and over again? One sibling would look and say around that coffin, No, I don't remember. I wasn't there. I didn't make that visit. Or one, I'm going to be quiet, and you know by their quietness. They never had that fellowship. They never had that camaraderie of the parent because they chose not to. Paul's saying here in Romans, and Jesus understood it, practiced hospitality. She opened up her home, but she overlooked her guest. How many times do we do that? Listen, resentment is created... At Listen... The bottom line is, is that Martha finds herself resenting Jesus. She gets mad at Him. She comes in there and says, Lord, don't you care? Wow. Well, thirdly, we've got to close. She not only opened up her home, but she overlooked her guest. Let me give you some observations that you and I can take away from this. With all the tenderness in the world, Jesus, listen to what he says there. He says, Martha, Martha, verse 41, do you see it? Such tenderness. You know what he says here? He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about what things? How many things? Many things. He says, Martha, with all the tenderness, he said, you're upset, you're troubled, you're distracted, you're pulled in many directions. You are destroying. Listen to this. Everybody look this way. He was saying, Martha, you are destroying relationships because you do not know how to do hospitality right. You're destroying your life, Martha. And you're destroying the relationship, Martha, between me and you and between your family and between others. Some people think it's cute to be OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. But some people, all they have is a clean house and they don't have nothing else. You see, there's a balance here. Some of us would do well to come one Sunday, bring a six-pack of coats and a pack of nabs, and sit around in the parking lot or under that shade tree over there, and begin to understand what senior adults understood all their years of growing up. Some of us would be good to bring a, bring a, a, a softball and gloves and a, and a bat and go down there without us having to organize and put something together and bring Cokes, nabs, sandwiches and just junk, bring it down there and just fellowship as a family. You say, well, we play ball all the time. I know how you play ball. You play like I did. Let's go, kids! We've got to get you to the ball field. Let's run through McDonald's and grab you a Happy Meal on the way out. We got a schedule to keep. Let's move, 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 move. We look like Sergeant Carter behind them. No wonder they act like Gomer. You see, if you and I are going to get serious about this, we need to check our priorities. We need to step back and look at our schedules and our calendars and Say, so, you know, I, I want to be more serious about it. Our home needs to be a place where we do kingdom building. When a guest comes to this church or somebody visits this church, that's a golden opportunity for you to say, hey, listen, I'm so-and-so. We're so glad to have you today. Why don't you come home and eat with us today? Why don't you go over here to the cafeteria and eat with us? Check, let's check our priorities. Let's, 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 let's get things back in order. Kids need to listen to old folks. Oh, You know, kids weren't allowed to interrupt people, old folks when they were talking. I remember we tried to do that. My dad said, go, go, go on, go play. But we could sit and listen all we wanted to. We would sit there and we'd just listen. We'd play a while and then we'd get tired and we'd listen. It was kind of interesting to listen to old folks tell stories. We learned a lot. Some of it we brought back to use against them later on. I remember one time, me and my cousin, we jumped a train in Eden, Eden, Mississippi. We jumped a train. Man, I mean it. We run alongside that train. I, didn't realize, I nearly got myself killed. Grabbed that ladder, slung myself up there, got on top of that train, and just like an old Western, running on top of that train, shouting to my cousin, who was still a little nervous. I'm running, and all of a sudden, beep, 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 beep. I, I turn and look on the other side of the crossing my dad and my uncle. My dad's hanging out of that truck. <laughs> the only problem was when he got ready to disassemble me. I said, "Dad, you said you did it all the time. I heard you." You see, it, it's a good thing. Now I know we need to close, but listen, senior adults refuse to be shelved. Senior adults, open up your home. Invite these young families in. Invite some of these young couples in and teach them about life. This is not old folks or young folks. God commands the body of believers, you practice hospitality. Get involved. But I want to say one more thing before I close. And I want you to hear my heart. In fact, I said this. I even wrote in my notes, and I know we're late. But I said this stay calm, Jeff. I want to ask you to do me a favor. Be careful whose feet you're sitting at. Okay? The Bible says all of the, there's a lot of lessons here, but there's one lesson that, that kind of jumped out at me, and it was this: Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Be careful whose feet you, you're, you're sitting at. We live in a day when a lot of times you and I, spiritually get a lot of spiritual education from other sources. Okay? People are drawn now to charisma rather than content. People can follow charisma more than content. We're in an age of information. There are websites, there are books, there's conferences, there's big name preachers, there are big name spiritual leaders, there's all kinds of things out there. There are big churches out there. And if you're regularly listening to any other spiritual voices... I want to encourage you to ask your pastor. I want you to take your Bible and look at Hebrews 13. Look at Hebrews chapter 13 and you say, Oh my, here we go again. I'm ready to go. Well, you're getting ready to go, I promise you. Give me about five minutes. Maybe not even that long. If you're real good and you look real closely. Hebrews 13, 17. I want you to look at this. It says in Hebrews 13, 17, right before the book of James... It says, obey who? Obey your leaders. And and do what? Submit to their authority. That means come under their leadership. Come under their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must do what? They give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Have you ever been listening to, let me let me ask you something, parent. Have you ever, has your child ever said something, and you you just look kind of shocked, and you go, "Where did you hear that? Come here. Where did you hear that? Who told you that? Do you know sometimes as a pastor, I want to do that? You know, the other day I was um, coming into the office in the morning, and I walked by Steve's office, and I spoke to Heather, and I spoke to Steve. Well, Steve didn't speak back. I thought, well, that's strange. So I went in there and made coffee. It kind of irritated me slightly. I wonder why he's not speaking this morning. And then I walked in his office, he had these things in his ears. I didn't see them. And uh, I, said, uh, I said, now, I never ask Steve, what are you listening to? I never ask Steve, what are you listening to? Because I don't want to embarrass him because Steve is a football So in in the morning, it would be like Steve to be checking to see the draft, to see the negotiation process in the NFL. I mean, you know, this guy's a walking encyclopedia, so I never want to embarrass him. So I've never, I've never, and all the time I've known Steve, never have I asked him, what are you listening to? But on this day, I walked into his office and said, what are you listening to? And Steve told me. And, and, and so just like a parent who's, who, who watches over a child and not meaning that he's spiritually immature, but I'm his pastor, even though he's a staff member. And so Steve told me, well, I went down and I thought, well, I'm going to do some investigation. So I went down to my office, pulled up the website and began to do a little investigation. I went to the man that he was listening to, went down to his question and answer section, and as I listened to that, I got angry. Because there was such arrogance. He was talking about buying a vehicle, buying an avalanche with, uh, uh, with leather seat, and on and on he went, and, 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 and he paid for it in cash, and that irritated me. And then he began to do an exegesis of the word evil. And I still, I asked Reggie, I said, Reggie, you come and listen to this. Am I missing something? Reggie got mad. I asked Matt Scoppel, my son-in-law, said, You listen to this. Matt Scoppel got mad. And both of these men who are fluent in Greek, who know Greek well or are learning Greek, said, I'd never heard that said of the word evil before being poverty. And of course, it was health and wealth, and he began to talk about everybody ought to be well, and if you're not well, it would begin to come across a sin. In fact, at one point, he was joking around about the Scripture and so flippant about it, and then on top of that he went on to talk about cancer and began to laugh, and the congregation was laughing with him about cancer. I'm like Adrian Rogers. I tell you what, you got the gift of yelling. you meet me down here after the service, let's go to Batson. Man, I, I, I literally, I had to write in my notes, be calm. You and I need to be careful who we listen to. You may say, well, wait a minute, Brother Jeff. Are you mean to tell me that you're more spiritual than I am? I'm not saying that. And I don't want to be a dictator. I'm not. Listen, I'm just your pastor. And according to Hebrews 13, 17, God has entrusted your spiritual maturity and development, not only to you, but partly to me, just like a parent over a child. So I had every right to ask Steve, where are you hearing that? What is that? And I investigated it. Now listen closely. Be careful whose feet you're sitting in. You're in a day of an enormous amount of information. And you may say, but I'm, I'm a strong spiritual person. So was my grandmother. But my grandmother was a consistent follower of PTL and Jim and Tammy Baker. She gave money she didn't have to the PTL ministry and to Jim and Tammy Faye. And ultimately there was moral and ethical and doctrinal issues that crippled that ministry because it was not of the Lord. Let's stand. You say brother Jeff, how serious are you are you of this? I was reading Time magazine. The cover of Time magazine is Rob Bell's book Love Wins. Love Wins, it's written by Rob Bell. Time magazine devoted to the the cover to that book. This young man is a successful pastor in America, a very influential pastor. Eugene Peterson who wrote who helped bring together the Bible in the form called the message gave commentary to this book Love Wins. When I read Time magazine and I read that, I immediately went and got Rob Bell's book Love Wins. I read it one time, taking notes, dog-earing, spent, listen, I spent a day because I knew that this would influence our young people. I'm reading it a second time. I've sat down with some of our leadership and said, listen, be careful, be careful, watch this. Poor exegesis here. Listen, I may not be pastoring a big church, but let me tell you why I'm not. Because I chose not to. Okay? Okay? I may not hold a position in a seminary as a professor. It's not because it's not been offered. It's because I chose not to. But I can tell you this much. I love everybody in this room. And you and I need to be careful at whose feet we're sitting at and what we are listening to. Because if it is not in line with the Scripture... Let me give you you something. You, You take this away and you think about it. Mom, if you, want to, if you want to listen to something, moms, if you want to listen to something that will change your life about motherhood, go to In Touch Ministry, Dr. Charles Stanley. Go down and you'll see on that webpage about Dr. Stanley's mother. Click on that and go to the video where he preaches a sermon about his mom. Mom, it will change your life. I listened to it as a man in London, England, sitting in a coffee shop. And the first thing I wrote is, every mom needs to listen to this. If you've got marital problems, Dr. Willard Hartley is a tremendous writer. He wrote a classic, His Needs, Her Needs. If you want a devotional book, Oswald Chambers, My Utmost for His Highest. If you want a man that will stir your heart with conviction and passion for the things of God, listen to LWF. Go to LWF, Love Worth Finding, and listen to a man such as Adrian Rogers. If you want to read what Baptists believe and why we believe it, read the, a great man by the name of Herschel Hobbes who wrote the Baptist Faith and Message. And all of our, listen, every doctrine that Southern Baptists hold to is not based on man, it's based on Scripture. We are called people of the book. If you want to listen to something, or if you want to read something, go to the Bible. Don't go to people's interpretation about the Bible. If you want a commentary, get Matthew Henry's commentary. Finally, listen to this. Go to our website. There is a series on relationships that every person in this room needs to go back and listen to, including me, on relationships. There is a series on the home and the family, on marriage. You and I need to go back and listen to that sometimes. There's a series on the Gospel of Luke that's been going on. We need to listen to that. My friend, I'm not trying to be your dictator. I don't want to be but I can tell you what I am trying to be. I'm trying to be your pastor. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning. and Lord, I know it's been a long message. But Lord, there are things here in this passage of Scripture that we need to hear. Because dear Lord, there's some of us, we've opened up our home, but we haven't opened up our heart. There's some of us, we've opened up our home, we've opened up our heart, but we've overlooked our guest, Jesus. We live our lives as if He doesn't even live here, pointing to our own chest. Dear Lord, there are things that we need to learn. We need to be careful whose feet we're sitting at. Lord, we need to weigh everything that we listen to. This is not based on popular theology or what we believe or what we think. It is the Word of God. Father, we, we need to, dear Lord, weigh everything that we listen to, that we hear, that we read, and base that on the Word of God. Father, I'm accountable. I'm accountable to the deacons, to the staff, to the membership of this church, and ultimately to a denomination. If I get too far out in left field, if I begin to preach things that are theologically and doctrinally unsound, then dear Lord, there are people that are going to be in my face, but dear Lord, people who live on, in another state, people who have a website somewhere, or written a book somewhere, there's nowhere that I can call them to a level of accountability. That's why we're members of a local church. Father, I pray today that we would practice hospitality. That, dear Lord, we would be known as a friendly congregation that opens up its not only opens up its home, but opens up its heart. Inviting each other, saying, why don't you come with me? Why don't you eat with us today? Father, I pray, dear Lord, most of all, that if there's one here that's never opened up their heart to Jesus, to you, Lord, may they do that even now. And Lord, we'll give you the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to invite our counselors to come. The altar's open. I know it's late. I know I've gone a little long. But this was such a burden that I just simply couldn't shorten it. And if God is speaking to you, you come today. If you've never received Christ, you see, He doesn't want you to open up your home. He wants you to open up your heart. And he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock if any man hears my voice and will open up the door. Open up the door of what? Of their heart? He said, I will come in and fellowship with them and they with me. Would you come today? If you've never given him your life, you come. You come. May never be a moment.